0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Kahoot. Currently, we are in a series on prayer. This is sermon number five, and I pray that these messages have been indeed a blessing to your heart. I'm going to be speaking this morning on probably one of the most asked about sermons or topics concerning this thing called prayer when prayer seems unanswered. I think that's a category that fits into all of our lives because I'm sure that we have all wondered about that at times. But if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. And we're going to find our place momentarily in verse number 5. Luke chapter 1, verse number 5. Now, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not. And look at this carefully. Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. When prayer seems unanswered, there's probably not a person in this auditorium this morning that has not been praying for something very specific from God, perhaps for quite some time. Maybe there's something that you have been praying about, praying for. Maybe you've been praying at it a year, maybe two years. There might be somebody that's been praying for something very specific for a period of five years and more. Maybe there has been something that has entered into your life, some turn of events that has now brought you to your knees, and you're praying for something very specific. You're waiting on God. You're waiting for the answer. Perhaps this morning that your prayer is so urgent that you feel that it's going to require divine intervention. By that I mean... Your prayer is so urgent that you feel that there is nothing else left to do but for God to step in and show up and change things in a dramatic way. Let me remind you this morning that there is a big difference between divine intervention and interference. Let me say this, and I'll come back to it in just a moment. God will never make you go against your will. Please keep that in mind. And we can go back to the principle even in salvation itself. God does not make anybody become a Christian. That glorious invitation in the scripture for whosoever will applies to the whole principle of heaven. God will never make you operate outside of your will. But saying that, you have to understand this, that As God will never make you go against your will, God will never operate outside of his will. So you have to understand this. So whatever you're praying about this morning, and maybe you've been praying about it for quite some time, God can intervene in your life. Perhaps there's someone here today that's been praying about something over and over and over again something that is so debilitating and crippling in your life, and there does not seem to be one single ripple in the holy water of your life before you. In fact, perhaps there has been something that you have been praying about so repetitiously and so often that it's though that you feel that heaven is totally ignoring you because you've been praying about this for so long, you're weary with it. Let me ask you this question. What have you decided to do in those desperate, desolate times, those difficult times of desperation in your life? When it seems like heaven's ignoring you, what have you decided to do? When it did not appear that God was paying an ounce of attention to what you were saying, let me ask you this. Did you quit praying? Did you get frustrated with God? Did you get impatient with him? Did you decide to take matters into your own hands? I mean, you became discouraged? Did you become bitter or discontented? Or maybe even contentious with God? What was the response that you had? You've been praying over and over and over for God to dramatically do something. For God to change something. And it's been such a while. There's been no evidence that God is concerned, no evidence that God's moving in your favor. What did you decide to do? What did you decide to do when those things started to just overwhelm you and thought, well, let me say this, that the worst thing that any of us could do in situations like that, listen carefully now, is to stop praying. You might say, well, Pastor, I just don't know the good in it. I have prayed till I cannot pray any longer. I I cannot shed any more tears. I'm weary. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Let me ask you to turn quickly to 1 Samuel chapter 12. I'm going to give you many scriptures this morning. And if you're writing notes, I would encourage you to take them down. Because on a subject like this, when prayer seems unanswered, the message today will speak to you. And you will go back and look at these verses and cross-reference them again. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, I'm going to look at verse number 23 in just a moment, but let me give you just a little background. Samuel is preaching to the children of Israel about their awful state of backsliding. And in that process, he is, he is instructing the children of Israel to repent and to make themselves right before God. And he also, in this chapter, begins to call upon the name of the Lord that he might send rain and thunder that it might overwhelm them and help them to see the almighty hand of God. God did that as Samuel prayed. He sent the rain and he sent the thunder. And it was coming down in such a way that the children of Israel were even becoming fearful of their life. And so they begged Samuel, Samuel, pray for us. Pray that we will not die in this tremendous storm. And then that's when this verse comes into play. 1 Samuel 12, verse 23. Samuel says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good in the right way. Now, Samuel said, The worst thing that I could do is to stop praying for you. There is another passage of scripture, it comes out of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul is writing, and it's a very simple verse. Only three words, but how powerful it is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 17. The Apostle Paul said it this way Pray without ceasing. Jesus Christ Himself said this in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So in the scriptures, I have given you this morning three simple passages. Samuel said, listen, I do not want to sin. If I stop praying for you, it would be sin to me. Samuel said, I'm not going to cease to pray for you. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Jesus said, men ought always to pray. Now, I think every single one of us in this auditorium this morning needs to nail down this most important biblical but simple truth, and that is this. There is absolutely no substitution for prayer, and I want you to think about that. There is nothing, anything we can do any better in our life than to pray. Now, let me point out that there may be dark days in your life Right now, there may have been dark days in your past when you have found yourself so busy. And let me tell you this. With everything that we have to deal with in this world, some working two jobs, you have all the scheduling around your job, things that are going on in your family. And then things that are going on in your family, some of those things will put you on your knees and take the breath out of you. And your life might be going around in such a disarray and so chaotic that you're so overwhelmed with the problem that you feel that you do not have time to stop and pray. For one second, you don't have time. You just have come to and resorted on the conclusion that God knows everything. And because he's omniscient and knows everything, he certainly knows how you feel. He knows your heart. He knows what needs to be done. In fact, I gave you this verse in a message recently, not too long ago in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 8. This talks about him and his omniscience and knowing about our needs even before we do. The word says, be not ye therefore like unto them? For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Now, that's a powerful verse and it's so true. But sometimes if we're not careful, it's verses like this that we think all that is necessary is for God himself to be jumping through all the hoops in heaven on our behalf. That there's really no need to spend fervent time praying about those problems and circumstances that we have. You may feel that God just needs to cut through all the spiritual chase and get right to it and get the job done. After all, preacher, he already knows my need. He knows what he needs to do. But listen, one of the things I believe that contributes more so than any other thing about unanswered prayer is the fact that we simply stop Praying. Now that might seem to be so simple, but I want you to think about it. We simply have not taken time to knock on heaven's door and spend time there. How many times, I want to ask you to think about, I love when we sing these old time hymns of the faith here. And uh, I'm glad this is a church that still sings those kind of songs. But how many times do you stop and ponder those words of those old hymns? How many times for this song we were talking about just a few minutes ago, Brother David and I, what a friend we have in Jesus. Have you ever really let the message of that old song sink down in your heart? Listen to this. When it comes to unanswered prayer and you've quit praying, how about the chorus? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to god in prayer i want you to think about that sometimes we just get so overwhelmed we just quit praying i want you to see this verse in james chapter 4 verse number 2 the bible says this and they're going to get it on the screens as fast as they can you may not have time to turn but james 4 42 says this ye lust and have not ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain ye fight and war yet Ye have not because ye ask not. Now I'm going to give you some helps this morning as we study the Word of God. When prayer seems to be going unanswered in your life, let me ask you to stop and go through a spiritual checklist. Number one, never get too busy to pray. Prayer is the greatest resource that we have available to us on planet Earth. The second thing is this, never assume that God is just going to be answering all your prayers because he already knows your need. Don't just assume that. Now he can and he could, but let me assure you of this. God requires us to knock on heaven's door. God requires for us to pray. Number three, listen, and this is where I want to spend a little time this morning. We must make sure that we're praying correctly. Every Christian will become lazy if we fail to do the things that this Bible teaches us and that God requires from us. If we become lazy, listen carefully, even in our prayer life, it can build a wall between us and God. Now somebody might ask this question, well, Pastor, how is it that a Christian can improperly pray? Well, I'm telling you, it's not as difficult as some people may think this morning. First of all, A Christian can improperly pray if we're praying outside of the will of God. Anytime we pray out of the will of God, our prayers will always seem to go unanswered because as I've already mentioned this morning, God will never go against his will. You have to keep that in mind. And listen carefully. If God will never go against his will, then he is never going to lead you and I out of his will. And because of that, you may think, why is my prayer going unanswered? I've been praying and praying and praying. Listen carefully. If we're praying out of God's will, our prayers can go unanswered. Secondly, if we're not on praying ground, if we're not in fellowship with God, our prayers can be hindered. I want you to see what I'm talking about in Luke chapter 1, verse number 5. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 5. Are you struggling with something in your prayer life today? You've been asking God repetitiously over and over and over again. You're saying, God, I need you to step in. I need you to show up. I need you to change this. I need you to rearrange this. God, it's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. If it doesn't happen, this will happen and that will take place. God, I need you now. Have you prayed those things and you're not seeing any movement from the Lord? Well, let me tell you this. If you're praying out of the will of God, that will have a detrimental effect on your prayer life. And secondly, if you're not in fellowship with him, if you're not on praying ground. and Luke chapter 1, verse number 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both, look at this carefully, and they were both, Righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Those things right there testify that Zacharias and Elizabeth were on praying ground. They had a right relationship with God. And here in this passage, we find Zacharias and Elizabeth doing everything that God had expected out of them. They were righteous before God. They were walking in his commandments. They were keeping all of the ordinances. And they were very much in fellowship with him. They were on praying ground. And listen carefully. Before any of us can ever expect to capture God's undivided attention, where he can intervene in our lives, show up in those desperate times, we've got to be on praying ground. We have got to be in fellowship with him. And this is how you properly pray. Now, how do you get on praying ground? How do you get in that right fellowship with God when it comes to this thing? With prayer, Well, first of all, we've got to confess our sins. The Bible says this in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, how important is that? How important is it for us when we have something desperate that we're praying for, we're needing God to show up at the 11th hour. We're needing God to to step in on a world that's rocking us to tears. We need God to intervene. Listen, I'm telling you this morning that one of the most important things to do is not only be praying in the will of God, but you have to be praying this, that you're in fellowship with God, that God would forgive you of your sins. There's a consequence. If you're praying with unconfessed sin in your life, This could be a serious, serious problem, a roadblock, a stop sign where God's not moving. I want to show you what the psalmist David said about this in Psalms chapter 66, verse number 18. Psalms 66 and verse number 18. Here's what the psalmist David said about unconfessed sin in your life. He said this, if we do not confess our sin, look at it very carefully. He said, If I regard iniquity, that's sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, notice this very carefully. David said, the Lord will not hear me. So how important is it that we are on praying ground, that we are in fellowship with God? Listen, we must confess our sins when we approach his holiness. We must be operating in his will. We have to be obeying his word, doing all that he has asked. And the things that we ask for must ultimately bring honor and glory to him. I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31. This is a most important scripture. Look at it very carefully. Because everything in our life is designed, it ought to be designed as a born-again believer to bring honor and glory to God. That's why we're here today, friend. You're not here today for your preacher. You're not here today for your pastor. You're not here today for the band. You're not here today for the choir. You're not here today for the musicians. You are here today for the glory of God, his purpose. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men nigh unto me. He must increase and we must decrease. Notice what the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now let me ask this question. Why is it important that God is the one getting the glory? Why is that important? Look at this. James chapter 4, verse number 1. I want us to understand this now. We have to pray for God to get the glory. Why is that important? Why is that necessary? I'm talking about this morning things that are hindering in your prayer life. Things that are prohibiting God from doing what you might need to be considered a miracle. Let me tell you this this morning. Even as a pastor, there are some things that I need God to do in my life that I consider to be the necessary means of miracles. Do you need a miracle in your life? A miracle. I'm not talking about just you want a good day. I'm not talking about just feeling all right when you wake. I'm talking about is there something in your life that is so pressing and so overwhelming that's bringing you to the place of tears where you're saying to God, I need a miracle, God. Some things that we have in our lives just completely overwhelms us where we need those kind of things. But let me show you this. The most important thing about praying is that God, whatever it is that you're praying about, that it's God that gets the glory. In James chapter 4, verse number 1, the Bible says, "...from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust." Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now here is the great spiritual truth for that. James is saying that the reason why so many things are turned upside down around your life. And I ask the question, Do you have things in your life that just seem to be turned upside down? I mean, everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, everywhere you go, every step you take, you feel like you cannot win for losing. And your life is just overwhelmed with the unbelievable obstacles of day-to-day living. Let me ask you this question. James is saying this, that Perhaps the reason why so many things are turned upside down around your life is because that there are so many things that are turned upside down in your life. Now, I want you to think about that. Look at James chapter 4 and verse number 3. The Bible says, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So here's the thing. In order to stay on praying ground, you've got to learn how to pray correctly. So please remember some of these simple truths about prayer. Number one, God will not answer prayer if we have not asked him to. Secondly, if we have unconfessed sin in our life, if we're not obeying his word, if we are praying out of his will. And here in James chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says, if we're praying selfishly, You see, if we're praying selfishly, that excludes him from his glory. So keep in mind, here's what you have to... This is important. If there's a spiritual truth that I can deliver to you this morning that you can grasp and the light will come on in your heart, this would be it. God will never answer a prayer that will ever assist us in our own personal lust, greed, or pride. God is totally consumed about... Him getting the glory. In James chapter 4, verse number 4, we're still in that text. Look at this verse. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world, this is important, we're going to come back to that, that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, notice this carefully, is the enemy of God. So my question for you today is this, are you a friend of the world? Do you participate in worldly behavior? See, here's what happens. When we become saved, we don't become perfect. But when we become born again, we receive a new nature. And this is the difference. Before we were saved, the engine of our life was to pursue the pleasures of sin, was to pursue the pleasures of the world. When we become born again, our desire, our engine is to pursue the works of the Holy Spirit. To pursue the goodness of God. You see, the engine has been changed. We don't stop sinning, but our motivation, we do not wake up in the morning thinking about what bad and evil we can do and get away with. How we can gratify the flesh. When we become a born-again Christian, our interest is how can we bring glory to God, not to our personal lives. So I ask you today, are you a friend of the world? If I, if you participate in worldly behavior and you engage constantly without any remorse, without any conviction, with worldly lifestyles, a life that's bringing a reproach to God, which by the way is this, when we bring a reproach to God, we are in all actuality doing nothing but serving the devil. The Bible says you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. You either love the one or hate the other. So listen, if what we're doing in our life is designed to bring a reproach to God, we're living worldly, we're in worldly lifestyles and worldly behaviors, and that's the engine, the motivation, the drive in our life. And then at the same time, you know, we try to get a little religious and we begin to pray, God, you know, I need you to show up, but we're living this way. We're living in all of the world's pleasures and the follies of sin, yet we throw a little bit of God into the equation and say, God, I've got this problem in my life, and I need you to take care of this. Well, let me ask you this. Why in the world would God answer prayer like that to make you stronger, to make you better, to make you in more condition to serve the devil? Why would he do that? God calls our friendship with the world spiritual adultery. Now listen to this spiritual truth. You've got to get this. Because you're praying and praying and praying, you see nothing moving. The water's just as still. Nothing's happening. God, you say, God, why are you ignoring me? Why are you not listening? Why are you not helping me? Listen, prayer is not some kind of ritual. It's not some kind of exercise where we get our will done in heaven. Prayer, answered prayer, is where God gets his will done on this earth. So that puts things in a completely different perspective. We have to pray for the will of God. This is so important. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14. I want you to see this. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14. You have to pray in the will of God. This verse right here, I probably could not give you a better scripture in all of the Bible than this one right here. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14. Look at it carefully. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that, look at it now, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So listen carefully again. Prayer Goes unanswered if we have not asked, if we're not on praying ground, if we have unconfessed sin in our life, if we are praying outside of God's will, if we're praying selfishly. Now, another thing is this. What about the ways he does answer prayer sometimes? One of the ways that God answers prayer is by simply saying no. Did you know that the answer no is just as good From God's perspective is the answer yes. God sometimes says, I hear you. I know what you're praying for. You're keeping my word. You're walking in my commandments. You're doing everything that I require. I know you feel that things need to be different. I know you think that things need to be much different. But God may say, in spite of you feeling that way, I'm going to leave the situation just like this because in the situation as it is right now, I can get more glory out of it not being changed than I could by changing it. And we have to remember this. The paramount thing about prayer is that God gets the glory. It's not about us having gratified flesh. It's about and having our will done in heaven. It's about God's will being done on this earth. So you think about that just for a moment. In 2 Corinthians 12, it's a perfect example of what I'm speaking about right now. The Apostle Paul is in that position where he's constantly knocking on heaven's door and he is saying, I am so overwhelmed, God. This thing has taken me back so in a debilitating way. He's saying, I want us to look at this scripture. And he's saying this. He is saying, God, I have been praying and praying and praying. And I don't see anything happening, moving. Moving. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God said, Paul, I hear your prayer you're walking in my ways. You're on praying ground. There's no unconfessed sin in your life. You are walking in my light. But he said, Paul, listen, I can get more glory by this thing remaining the same. So Paul, on your behalf and for my glory, I'm going to say no. However, I am going to give you the abundance of grace that you need to navigate through every inch of So keep in mind, when God says no, he's still answering prayer. The next thing about prayer, when it seems to be unanswered, is this. God may delay an answer for your prayer for a specific time or a specific purpose. And we've got to trust God in this. If you go back with me to Luke chapter 1, I want you to see this. What's being happening? What's being said in in the life of Elizabeth and, and Zacharias? In Luke chapter 1, verse 13 this is important, critically important this morning. Luke chapter one, verse 13. But the angel said unto him, fear not Zacharias for thy prayer. Look at this. Thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shall call his name John. Now notice that carefully. Thy prayer is heard without question. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were on praying ground. They were in fellowship with God. And here's, listen now, here's what they were praying. They were praying about something very specific. Early on, I said just a moment ago that there might be something that you've been praying about for a year, maybe two, maybe three. There might be something that you've been praying about for five years. But here's what I believe. The thing that Zacharias and Elizabeth were praying for, they started praying together as husband and wife when they were just a young couple. Just a young couple. You say, well, how significant is that? Oh, it will change everything when you get this this morning. Look at verse number 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Without question, Zacharias had been praying for a son all of his life. Without question, Elizabeth had been praying for a child all of his life. He began to question it. And here's the thing to consider. God didn't just decide to show up on the scene. God heard their prayers a long time before then. And the truth of the matter is this. I believe God chose to answer the prayer long before the angel showed up. Zacharias is down there on his knees faithfully day and night. As a young man, maybe he and his wife are holding hands. Maybe they're by their bed. Maybe they're out in the yard. I don't know, but they're praying, oh God, give us a son, give us a son. They're in their youth, they're in their prime. And they begin to agonize and pray, oh God, give us a son, give us a child. And they begin to pray over and over. And the thing is this, they did not stop praying. They continued to pray. Now, seasons change. Perhaps the color of his hair changes things in his life his body begin to change and from the prayers of his youth he is still constantly praying and god all the while back is saying hey man it's going to work out and zacharias is saying god where are you do you hear me i am keeping your commandments i am walking in your ways I am obeying the ordinances. God, I'm doing everything. And I've been doing everything for this amount of time, this amount of time. And God's back here saying, it's going to work out. Zacharias is saying, where are you, God? And then now, it's time. wasn't time in his youth. wasn't time in his prime. God steps up, sends an angel. says, Zacharias, your prayer has been heard. God's going to give you a son. He's maybe on a cane. I don't know. Maybe he's doubled over. He's saying, "What? <laughs> God's going to give you a son?" He's probably saying, Are "You talking to me?" Put yourself in this situation. His wife just knows he is. God was all the while back saying, it's going to work out. The thing is, Zacharias didn't quit praying. He kept on praying and kept on praying. God chose to delay the answer until the fullness of his time, until the fullness of his readiness was at hand, until the time was right. And here's what I want you to know. God's timing is the perfect timing. Don't ever get away from that. There may be somebody here this morning that's believing that God is not going to answer your prayer for whatever reason it may be. You prayed until you cannot pray anymore. You believe that praying is just praying in vain. You're not getting through. You might be holding a grudge against God because of it. You might be saying, God, where are you? I've been fervent in this. We better be careful because God may have decided a long time ago to answer your prayer." but to answer it in a delayed fashion. Someone might say, well, preacher, why does God do that? If God knows I have a need and he knows he's going to answer it, why is he going to take so long and answer it at such a later date? Why does he wait? Why does he take so long? One of the answers I can give you this morning is in Isaiah chapter 30, verse number 18. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse number 18, the Bible says this, and therefore will the Lord wait. That he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For all the Lord is of God, for the Lord God, for the Lord is a God of judgment, blessed of all are all they that wait for him. Now listen carefully, I want to go back to this again. God may delay in the answer that you need for a time that it will bring him the most glory. Never quit waiting on God. God may be waiting for you to wait on Him. Right now, there might be somebody praying right here, right now as we're talking, as we're preaching the Word of God today. Someone might be praying right now for things to get better and you think they're only getting worse. You may be praying for a son this morning. You may be praying for a daughter. And the situation is getting worse day by day. Somebody in this auditorium might be praying for an unsaved husband or an unsaved wife, and that situation seems to be deteriorating by the moment. That's what was happening to Zacharias and Elizabeth. They weren't getting any old, any younger. Now you think about this: they were desperately praying for a son, and they weren't getting older. They, they were getting older day by day. The thing, when I thought about Zacharias and Elizabeth, I also thought about Abraham and Sarah. The same thing happened to them. They were well in their age. But when God was ready, he was able to give them an extraordinary blessing and get extraordinary glory from it. Sometimes in our desperation, we want God to take the shortcut for us. We want God to take the short way around. And we find ourselves praying, perhaps in that mind concept, out of the will of God. But listen carefully. Whatever you're praying for today, And you don't see that the water's being moved. You don't feel like an answer is there. If God desires, if he can get more glory for it, knowing what your need is, instead of going there, God just may decide to take the long way around. Knowing what you need, knowing that you're walking in his ways, that you're keeping his word, You're praying in his will. You're on praying ground. God can take the long road if necessary if that's what it takes to give him the most glory. You've got to be able to recognize that answer to our prayers may be different than what you've prayed for. You see, Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying for a son in their youth, in their prime. But God chose to give them a child in their old age. Now you think about that just for a moment. Was that different than what they were praying for? Hey, I'm sure Zacharias wanted to take him fishing and wanted to play ball with him and all these other things. Zacharias wasn't looking down the road when he was in a rocking chair and couldn't get out there and do much. He was praying for a son. God decided to take the long way around. You see, not only was the answer different, than the way they had prayed. But the answer also came in a great delay. And here's the thing that I want you to think about the answer was different. And here's the difference. And I want you to look with me now in Luke chapter 1, verse 14. Let me say this we're coming to a close to the message. Zacharias and Elizabeth were praying for a son. Think about this hypothetically just for a moment. Think about the son that could have been in the youth. If God had given them their heart's desire right then in their youth. Or think about the son that he gave them in the delay. What would have been said about the son of their youth? I don't know. But here is what is said about the son in their old age. Verse 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to, their, to the Lord their God and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now if there was going to be any difference in the two sons, the one of the youth of the one in the older age, Which one do we know by scriptures that could have given God the most glory? So you see, it's important to understand that God sometimes delays. He will always do what He wills in order to get the most glory. Sometimes God doesn't give us things the exact way that we ask for them. But I will tell you this, He's gracious. He's merciful. He's kind. He's all-knowing. Even though Mary and Martha thought He showed up four days late at the grave of their brother Lazarus, when He showed up, He was still right on time. God's timing is perfect timing. When prayers seem to go unanswered, do the checklist. Make sure you're praying in the will of God. Make sure you're praying fervently, praying in the will of God. You're not praying selfishly. You're praying for God to get the most glory. Sometimes he'll say no, sometimes he'll say yes. Sometimes he'll delay in the answer. But he's always interested in how he can get the most glory in your life let's bow our heads in prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed when you feel that prayers are unanswered when as our musicians are coming forward when you're on praying ground you're in fellowship with God you've confessed your sins you're praying that the answer will bring him the most glory you're praying that his will will be done then continue to pray don't quit praying Pray until the answer is in your heart with the peace that passeth all understanding. Pray without ceasing. The worst thing we could do in the critical hours of our life is to stop praying. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon Him for He careth for you. This morning, let me ask you this question. Are you praying for something very specific right now that you need God Almighty to intervene with? You need God to turn something around miraculously. He can do it. And he can do it in his perfect time in the means and ways that he can get the most honor and glory. So you pray for his will to be done and you pray, God, in the means and measure that you can get the most glory in this situation, I ask this in Jesus' name, according to your will, in the means and manner that you can get the most glory, I give this request to you and then say in Jesus name, Amen. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.